Welcome to episode 461 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 461 of I Am Talk of Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? It's Tuesday, Bevan. I'm always good on Tuesdays. Always good. You know what? I think Noah's building the ark right now. He is. This is your weekly weather report from Christchurch, New Zealand. Seriously, man. The world is ending outside right now, isn't it? It's peeing down. But you went for a run last night? I did. Got a little wet. It's got a little bit wet. I put four jackets on. There's no point in putting four jackets on, I'll tell you that much. No. One, one wouldn't have even... No, five wouldn't have done the job. I went, I went, I went for a run as well last night. And uh, yeah, it was one of those nights where it was pretty poor on frame, but it wasn't cold, so it was actually quite lovely. Yes. Jombo, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by who? Athlinks.com. Oh, social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Galactic buffer. And of course, our lovely patrons. And our patrons today, we've got Paul Yates, the creator. Yes, like it. You can do the next one. Uh, Levi Sticky Black Colossar. The Farnborough Fox, Mike Hewson. Tom Chopper Maud. That's nice. And Uri. Uli. Urich. Uli. Ulich. Just go Uli. Uli. Flume. Yep. Mr. Mr. Chief. Grand Fondo Uli. Grand Fondo. The mm. GF. There we go. If you want to be a patron, you go dub dub dub. I am talk dot me. Okay, team. In this week's show, we've got, we've got some news. We've got two interviews, actually. One interview's uh, with who, Jombo? We've got Andrew Messick on the show, so it's going to be rather interesting because we ask the hard questions. We don't back down. We ask the hard questions. But in the we're here for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, I'm really keen to see what he has to say about. Uh, Did you tell him we're going to talk about the fifty for fifty? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. I, I did an email, so we'll uh, we'll see what we um, come up with there. But do you it's think we have a big announcement on the show? Oh, that is going to be asked as well. <laughs> um, but the main thing I was keen to, to find out is we haven't heard much from WTC on their position around the whole women's movement to try to get 50 women to Kona. So uh, we'll find out what their stance is. Oh, good times. Good, good cup of tea here, Jumbo, I tell you. Um, we've also got an interview with Happy Tremaine and Iron Tash. And they're, um, they're talking about their possibilities um, website and what they're doing with that stuff there so it's pretty awesome it's an interview I did a few weeks ago and I'll talk to you a little bit about that later on we've got a couple of questions and answers at the end but other than that Jumbo let's talk about some statistic. don't forget statistic. oh what do you got on statistic? Oh, yeah, in my notes you didn't have anything in statistic. I oh. think I've got notes that haven't been updated that's the problem I did update them about half an hour ago well there you go that's the yeah. problem hopefully yeah. I'm not going to be falling behind the eight ball here no you'll be okay okay news we, we didn't have we have Ironman Austria coming up or even Australia. Australia even. <laughs> I mean, Australia coming up. It is. So uh, it's going to be, this race has picked up just a little bit because I don't know if it was last year or the year before, it dropped down when they had different tiers of, they had a really low tier yeah, where it was, it was only. was the lowest, wasn't it? It only had like three chicks, didn't it? Yeah, it was a thousand points and it was uh, bugger all prize money. This year it's picked up a little bit and accordingly the field has picked up slightly as well. So this year it's a 2,000 point race and... Uh, $50,000 prize money and really going to be interested to see how Pete Jacobs does because he's lining up he needs to validate so we'll be interested to see if he brings his A game or his completion game Last It's early enough in the season isn't it for him to go balls out It is but he has not done anything since he won Kona so like nothing so it's going to be very interesting to see how Pete comes back I know he's had 
different injury, injury and illness. Um, and that's the thing, before he won Kona, he was, so he was kind of Mr. Consistency, wasn't well, he? In Kona, he was really consistent. Elsewhere, he was good. He wasn't, yeah, but he was still always up there. Yeah, like in, you know? in Rote, he'd be in the, in the top few. Uh, so he has um, won this race before. He won it back in 2011, went 8.29. Last year, we had Elliot Holtham from Canada take it out at 8.35. And on the girls' side, we had Melissa Holscheidt take it out at 9.28. I think that was her Ironman debut from memory. So, yeah, I mean, on paper, you should have Pete Jacobs absolutely spanking the bejesus out of this race. But uh, you got Peter Robinson there and, you know, Pete's been a bit of a steady Eddie. He's yeah. uh, not been blowing any fields away, but he's been getting up there and coming back from that broken collarbone where he wasn't able to race in Kona last year. He's given it another crack. Uh, we've got Paul Ambrose in there as well, Luke Bell. So, you know, your top four is pretty pretty solid. Yeah, for but, sure. Um, yeah, all eyes will be on Pete Jacobs. Pete Verbusik's still going. How many years do you reckon we're going to see him on the list, John? Oh, he'll just keep going. Yeah, another 100? Yeah, another hundred. Doubt it. No, I doubt don't know how old Pete is, but he's older than us. So he must be uh, early to mid forties. I would have thought. Yeah, he just keeps but, going, doesn't he? Yeah, he'll 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 be uh, he'll be good for a sort of seventh or eighth place finish. I reckon yeah, it's been the story of his career, but you know, just consistent. <laughs> he's actually Mister Consistent, isn't he? Yeah. Okay, on the female side of things, Lisa Morangan is seated number one on uh, TryRating dot com. Predicted to come in at nine thirty six ahead of uh, Kiwi Mal Burke and. 9.41 and if it's if try rating is accurate it's going to be a sprint finish between Mal Burke and Michelle Gailey because there's only supposed to be three seconds separating them in fact it should be a pretty close race because then you've got another Kiwi Michelle Brenner predicted to come in another uh, 10 seconds later so we wow. could have a three-way sprint finish if this comes true have we ever had a three-way sprint finish that we can recall like an, an Ironman? I don't recall. We have had sprint finishes, yeah. but I don't recall there being a three-way sprint down the, the last sort of couple of like hundred. There was a Kingler hundred. and Pulley, Pulley, and then... There's been a few now, yeah. but but three-way ones, I can't recall any. If you cool. can, let us know. Okay, uh, that was pretty much it for Australia. Good luck to everyone racing in Australia. We know we've got lots of Australian listeners. Um, first of all, we had lots of 70.3 results over the weekend. Yeah, and the main reason I'm bringing these up is because Kiwis did yeah, well. That's all we so we had the trifecta at uh, Challenge Taiwan, which yeah. is a half this year. So Terenzo took it out from uh, Mike Phillips, and, who's a good Christchurch lad, and Dylan McNeese. Is this the first time Mike doing halves? Uh, he's done a few halves, but has not done anywhere near this well before. So the three of them just went out and spanked it on the bike and uh, b- built up a nice big buffer, and it was just a running race between the, the, the three of them. But uh, Terenzo pretty comfortably four minutes in front of them. But a good result for Mike. And uh, Terenzo is backing up, and he's racing another 70.3 this weekend. And I think he's he undefeated might, this year. Might even be doing another one after that. Uh, on fire. No, he's not. Someone said, I read somewhere he was undefeated. What did he do? Didn't he do Auckland? He did Auckland seventy point three. He got smoked. I mean, in fact, he may not have even finished. Was that this year? Yeah, uh. yeah, in January. So whoever well, wrote that is wrong. Yeah, girl side things. Eva, Eva <laughs> made me look like a fool. <laughs> Eva, <laughs> I do that well enough by myself. Eva Putakova from Russia took it out from a Kiwi, and uh, from Catherine Hessner and Brooke. Lagneris from Australia in third. Ch- we had challenge Future Ventura and good strong field over there. Jonathan. Kia Vartala from Italy took it out 402 from Richie Nichols and Patrick Nelson. Strong field. Timo Bracken, really wild there in fourth and fifth. Daniela Reef smoked she, the girls. It's an official domination of the dojos year. She won by 13 minutes and a half. From Anya Berenik and Ima Mulan. Probably pronounced that wrong. Uh, yeah, that is a dojo domination. That really is. And then we had the Texas 70.3. 
Lionel Sanders. He is running up a storm. Yeah, isn't he? Went 3.45, beating Andy Potts by a couple of minutes. Um, one other thing from that race is you had uh, a bunch of guys go off the course on the run and they just pulled over and it was like five of them standing around in a circle going, okay, what's going on here? It was, And that was, I don't know what positions they were in, but it was good guys. It was like Richie Cunningham and oh, some really? other fellow pros and apparently they were not uh, particularly pleased. And on the, I'll just say on the girls' side of things, Hallie Fredrickson uh, crushed Angela Neath and Emma Kate Lidbury by about six minutes. One thing I will say is we've had a few instances now of people going yeah. off course. It's and thing this year, isn't it? If, if these were small races and you were only paying, you know, if it was one of my little duathlons or something and you're paying 30, 50 bucks for an entry, you kind of go, oh, you know, at these races, all the marshals are going to be getting paid in terms of they'll be part of a volunteer organisation, yeah, but they're getting, they're getting money. And I kind of think that if you're paying 350 bucks to enter a 70.3 or something like that, you kind of do need to make sure that this is right. You shouldn't have people, you know, you should be paying people to go around the course and make sure that every corn, every marshal knows what they're supposed to be doing. And it sounds like in this instance that there was a, a somebody did send them off course. Uh, oh, so it was actually Marshall's fault, was yeah, it? Yeah, I think oh. it was, uh, I don't know the exact facts, but that's what, what I saw online. And I kind of like, oh. if I was the race director of that course, I would have someone, as I said, go around the entire course, check in with each marshal at each point going, right, you know where they're going, don't you? Mm. Um, so need to lift the game a little bit on that, uh, both across the board, not just WTC. If, if you're paying that sort of money to enter a race, it Especially needs to be for the pros, up. because it, well, it sucks for everybody, but for the pros, it's a career. Mm. You know, so the, what happened with those guys disqualified? They all pulled out from, from, from what I could read. So like, how heartbreaking is that? You spend all this money mm. to go to do a race, you know, and it's a job for you, mm. and then some guy who didn't know what he was doing out there on the course, and is it their person's fault? Well, not really. Maybe, maybe not. It's hard to know, but, yeah, that sucks. Mm. John, I feel for the man. I'm hurting on the inside. I've got hurt feelings. <laughs> I don't know that one myself. You don't know that? <laughs> the Concords. No. Did you not watch Flight of the Concords? Not enough. Oh, John, go back to it, man. It still delivers. Yeah. Business time. You know business time. Yeah, no business time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gold. Okay. Uh, John, there's a new... Oh, did we do girls here? We did do girls, okay. yeah. John, there's a new race in the UK, thelakesman.com. It is. Looks good. Thelakesman.com, as Bevan said. Another iron distance race for you, Palms, and this one looks fantastic. It's up in the Lake District, which I was... I've Lived up in that area just for a short period of time oh, when I was you? in the UK. Yeah, didn't quite get to where this race is, but it's a nice part of the world. Yeah, so, that's pretty. Uh, check it out, guys. Thelakesman.com, and uh, yeah, they're really going again. But like after the challenge model, they're really going for trying to look after the athletes as uh, best they can, rather than trying to make this a gigantic, uh, you know, two thousand, three thousand people race. Uh, it's they're really sort of targeting looking after the people and. It looks like a great course, so check it out, thelakesman.com. Okay, Challenge adds another new entry opportunities for people who are sold out of Challenge Road. So if you want to do Challenge Road, they've announced another, how many was it? About four? Ten slots. Oh, ten. Ten slots? Oh, no, ten slots at each half distance and 15 at each full distance race. Okay, great. And they're awarded, but they're going at a different, a different angle here, and they do need to differentiate themselves from, from what WTC doing. So it's awarded to athletes who are judged the best ambassadors for the event they are racing. In. This could be through social media activity, charity fundraising, or other activities oh. as defined by the individual races. So, so if you're someone like a Joe Baxis who goes and you know is on the internet all the time, kind of promoting what she does, and you get in behind a challenge race and you kind of do a bit of work, you get an entry. Mm -hmm. Will you still have to pay? Would you? I don't know. 
I think you deserve to pay. It just gives you an opportunity to, to yeah. go and so. And so for like the races like Rote, which would sell out, it's a good opportunity if you are wanting to do like a Rote. Mm. Yeah. So it's yeah. It's so a it's, it's a bit different. Kind of hard to judge if you go right. I really want to go after that. It's like quite a subjective sort of uh, sort of thing. Oh, you did the best job, or you did the best job. I got five thousand tweets, or you got two thousand. It's quite quite hard to judge, but yeah, in some ways kind of cool they're not necessarily going right we just want the fastest people at our races they're going we want the people that are sort of investing some time the question is how many people this motivate you know like like i don't know like would it motivate like maybe for a road Mm. no this is for road but is it for all the other races as well no this is for road so you for road yeah oh okay in that case in that case it makes sense Mm. yeah because road's definitely worth doing um jumbo your it update alistair brownlee wins it the palms are back on top, both the boys uh, and the girls. Bloody palms. Bloody palms. You know what I did the other night, John? I watched the marathon. Did you? Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Those guys can run. It's exciting. I've never watched a marathon, to be honest. Do you watch it from start to finish? Or well, use- what happened was we went to a friend's place, and I've got a good story about that later on, but we went to a friend's house for dinner, and we were kind of sitting down, and then we were watching the Wellington rugby game, just in the mm-hmm. background, just in the background, and then after that, the marathon came on the London Marathon mm-hmm. so we probably watched and just kind of while we're having conversation it's on the background mm-hmm. but we watched the girls were about 40 minutes into it when we started So we, and we watched it right till the boys finish mm-hmm. um, is it exciting? it's more fascinating than exciting admittedly towards the end it got exciting mm-hmm. um, but it's a bit like Iron Man there's an excitement then just one person took off you know mm-hmm. like it's, it didn't come down to a sprint finish in either of the fields but you know it was a, it was a good watch mm-hmm. I enjoyed it I just, they're pretty impressive. Oh, they're very impressive, very, very impressive. Whereas I'd be more interested if I was watching, say, an ITU race and it was a pack run coming off when you know all the people and stuff in there. If yeah. I'm watching a marathon, I don't have a clue who no, any of them are. No, I didn't know any are. of them either. But the commentators were doing a good job of kind of letting you know who they were. Right. And you had like last year's winners. Like, the world record's now 202. I didn't realise that. Mm. 202. Mm. Man, they are flying, man. And there was one girl, uh, some, I think she was Spanish or something, she was just fighting, man. She, I think she got like eighth in the end, but she was fighting. Man, <laughs> respect, no, so it was, you know, it was pretty interesting. Anyway, Alistair Brownlee back on top, despite getting, uh, despite falling over on the run and tripping, and he, it wasn't an Alistair Brownlee uh, dojo domination. It was a really, it was a pack run for for quite a long period, and that pack sort of just shriveled down in size, and then he uh, all just the, all the big guns there. Yeah, pretty much. Yep, okay. yep. Not his brother wasn't there, but outside of that, pretty much everyone was there. So good to see he just pulled away from Gomez with, I don't know, maybe a K, K and a half to go and crushed it pretty convincingly yeah. at that stage. But yeah, Alistair Browning style is going, yeah, I'm not, I'm not fit. You know, it'd be good when I'm, good when I'm actually a bit, bit fitter. And <laughs> Does just, it break your heart? Uh, and then and there's, yeah, he's, um, he's not, I don't think he's making any friends out there in the pro field, but I don't think he really cares. And then on the girls' side of things, Vicky Holland uh, took it out, her debut victory on the WTS circuit. So really nice good on her. It's really nice to be her. that good. Mm. You know, it must be really nice just to be the guy who, you know, because he obviously isn't that fit. He's come off, he hasn't been racing much recently. He had a bit of injury, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And to just turn up, you know, win it, mm. and everyone's just probably still pretty a lot higher of their, in their peak than you are. You know, you know, you know I'm not that fit. Yeah. Man, it must be, geez, I wish I was that good. So, but man, those dudes, I mean, you talk about the London Marathon dudes, you know, and them spanking it. When those guys now get off the bike, this time it was a, a massive pack yeah. coming in, and they just go for it in that really? first K. They just, this massive gaps open up. And you've got to be seriously fast these days. You know, they're all running. Those guys are running 30 minutes flat, if not under. Yeah. I mean, this race, they ran 30 flat. But, you know, even, you know, the guys 20th and sort of stuff like that, they're still running, you know, 
sub 32 sort of yeah. thing yeah, so it's um you're gonna be a good runner these days so it's all good Thank um girls. what i would say is this is a, a, i think it's the second year in a row or it's the second time it's happened at least they had to cut the swim in half because for both the girls and this time the guys as well just because the water's so cold down there it's like come on why don't you just make it a sprint race because uh, it's not a technical course you both uh, from memory you normally have a sort of big pack coming off it's a cool course and really um, picturesque but the water's this, just so bloody Africa? cold south africa and cape town so, so why would they just not move it because it's, it's just a great always it's, it's just there? a great venue yeah yeah that where, where it is is uh is it's in Cape Town, one side of Cape Town, you have warm water. The other side, you have absolutely freezing water, and uh, yeah, it's it's always going to be cold. Okay, good crowds. Uh, the cool thing was they finished in a stadium, so it was actually really cool. So on the bike, they actually came in and they biked a lap around the outside of the running track, and then the the run was sort of uh, finishing on there as well. So it, yeah, it was it was it was really cool having it inside a stadium, like inside a running track. Don't know. We were our first ever when we launched the New Zealand Triathlon Academy in Christchurch many, many moons ago, oh, which was at ninety six, I think it was. Uh, we did a, a demonstration triathlon on a track. Uh, so we swam in the pool because we used to have this complex in Christchurch yep. at QE two. Swam in the pool, ran out, bike like ten laps on in lane eight of the the bike that track. Hard? That was it was quite hard. Yeah, yeah. I can um, imagine. And then uh, wait a second, we've got to call John. Six foot. No, just flag that. Flag it. Flag <laughs> it. You're out of here. Yeah. It's a New Zealand number. New Zealand number. We don't want you. Yeah. That's on yours. Oh, it's as well. on mine as well. Yeah, he's got flag it on God. his as well. I was listening to another podcast the other day. They <laughs> show us up how professional they are compared to us. Now, John, we're not professional at all. We've never claimed to be. Anyway, back to this. So, what we're saying is this race you did. Yeah. And then we did uh, ran a few laps on on lane one on the inside of the track, and it was um, it was cool. Really? Mm. Yeah. You, you, you couldn't. Oh, Chris Gimble bloody spanked me. Uh. Sitting on the bike and then crush me. Uh, I'd be. I'd just be interested to see if they could do the Olympics. At least starting, you know, like you. Uh, no, you couldn't really because the bike. Well, they used to do. You could finish the bike in the in the stadium. Well, they could quite easily do it in the velodrome. They, and they used to have the indoor triathlon in the velodrome where you bike in the velodrome and then you run on the the bottom part. That's easy to do. But to to ride fast on an unbanked non sealed you know running track is quite difficult they put a 20 could, have, could you put a 25 meter pool in a velodrome that's what i used to do oh yeah. really they used to swim bike and run inside the awesome? velodrome oh it was very cool yeah no this was some footage and they used to do it in bordeaux in france uh so did you ever do one of those no 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 this was like just yeah. very and how many because it would only be what 10 people well, they used to do an eliminator format, I think. Uh, they did in Australia anyway, where you maybe have a couple of heats of, say, I don't know, let's just say 12 to 16, and then you take the finalists into, and put them into the final, and you maybe have 8 to 10 in the final. And what distances were they doing? I can't recall. Probably sprint or shorter. It was, be it was great. Because the swimmer would have an advantage, wouldn't they? If you're a good swimmer, because you can get a lap up, and then you'd be drafting on the bike, wouldn't you? Yeah, you could do, yeah, yeah. I'd be surprised these days if you got a lap up, but you could... Because uh, how big is a velodrome? What's a lap? 400 metres. 400 metres. Mm. Oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah, I'd love, imagine that. I'd be great to get to see that come back. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Okay. Um, People who want to go to the Kona camp we talked about last week, I've got some details up on epiccamp.com. Uh, this is going to be the camp that's going to be pre-Ironman, pre, uh, pre so Bevan will be there at least for part of the camp, um, yeah. and I'll be there for the whole shebang. We're going to do a lap of the island, and then you'll be in Kona for race week. We'll still be training all week and doing epic stuff, but there will be plenty of, um, there'll be some good downtime. We can go and see what 
Ironman is all about. And, and if you've been to Kona, you can go and watch the race afterwards. Oh, well. it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it'll be heaps of fun. Okay, guys, sponsor. And also before sponsor, uh, Legends of Triathlon podcast. Oh, because I haven't got the notes. Oh, sorry. It's all right. So Legends will be out this week and we've got Paul Huddle on there and there'll be an auction for a wetsuit to any US listeners and also we're going to have a second auction for a pair of core shorts plus a prize pack to go with that. So you get a pair of core shorts and like some other accessories like goggles and this, that and the other thing. So a great way for you to get some product um, at a real discounted price and it's a, also a way you guys support the show. Is there any other news I need to announce? No, that's it for yeah, now. Are you sure? Because yeah. yeah, I feel I've been cheated today. Yeah. Sponsor! Tell you what, I've uh, just I was going to talk about something, and we'll get onto that. But I've just started cranking the immune boost again today. Pack it up. <laughs> Why? Because of the rain. The kids. Damn oh, the kids. kids! That time of year, they get everything. We had a day off yesterday in New Zealand. It was uh, Anzac Day, which is our sort of war commemoration yeah. day, and uh, our, we don't let our kids in our bedroom for cuddles and stuff very often. It's just the odd special occasion. Yeah. But yesterday, yeah, you know, Thomas came in, and um, yeah. He was breathing all over me, and Thomas is sick, and woke up this morning, and it's not good. Really? Not but, good? Uh, You're not be, feeling too, you uh, went too flesh last week, were you? I was not good at all last week. Oh, man. Never get sick. I never get sick. Get on that immune boost. I am. The immune boost is starting to be cranked. The other thing, though, guys, uh, this is something you know to make sure that you feel comfortable taking any products from Extreme Endurance. They're tested and certified for banned substances. So there's a, a company called Informed Choice and Informed Sport, and basically Extreme Endurance are required to send them products or they come in and test them. So you guys can be rest assured that you're actually not taking anything that's banned and giving you an, an well, it does give you an unfair advantage if you have it because yeah. it's fantastic for your training and your recovery but you need to know you know you can be safe that when you go into races that you're not going to be not testing cheating. positive not cheating or anything like that so remember to use all our promo codes i am talk 10 uh, is the current code and you can go on there and that works on the .com and the .eu basically all their websites and get yourself a nice discount and Kiwis and Aussies you can order it through me so check it out xendurance.com and they have got a new product coming out in the next couple of months they just emailed me this morning said they're going to send some over to try out so check out news coming up give them a like on Facebook or Twitter and uh, check it out xendurance.com check, check, check it out we're getting lots of good feedback people People were saying they love it. Okay, Jombo, this week's discussion. No, let's get ready to go into our interview. Make sure. Oh, we're okay, all we're going to put an interview team. We're going to do prep for it, even. Yeah, because we're so professional. Yeah, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> and we are back, Jombo. We are back, and we're going to talk about the discussion of the week. So, discussion of the week last week was came from from our. I'm oh, sorry, Warren, Agent Smackdown, Sutherland, and he sent through an email telling us his three bucket list races, and this led us to think, what are your three bucket list races? And then we've got quite a big response this one. John Dave Phillips, he started off, he said, Kona, the pinnacle. Yes. Norseman, Ninja Hard, and Monica, beautiful bucket list country and bucket list race. If you want a good name for a race, this is it. This, this got my intrigue to actually go and check it out. The Canadian Death Race. Wow. It's a killer. It's a killer. <laughs> it's their, their tagline. A 125-kilometre course that begins and ends on a 4,200-foot plateau, passes over three mountain summits and includes over 17,000 feet of climbing. Is that, it, what is it, a run race only? Yes, running race. It looks pretty epic. And who sent that through? It was Evan, uh, Evan Collier sent that through. He sent through the Norseman and then the Great Wall Marathon. So Norseman is coming up pretty regularly. Ed Hawkins, he's got, it was Kona, Phuket and Rote, but he's done them all. So now it's Ultraman Hawaii, coast to coast. 
and marathon disciplines. Pavel, I'm not even going to read yours out because you've got to read the question. It said three and you've given us about eight. <laughs> so pick up your game. <laughs> read the question, Pavel. <laughs> Tony, uh, how does that more runner? Uh, wrote in anything in Wales on a sunny day. You lads should talk to the organisation of MY... How do you say one? I can't even know. I don't know where you're looking. Mm, truly mind-blowing race. It's That's M- a good one. What M-I-Y-A-K-O. I don't know. Uh, Myoka? Gemma? Triathlon, maybe? Okay. Yep. Paul McVeigh said Norseman Cape Epic, which is a big mountain bike race down in South Africa, and also the Comrades Marathon. Uh, good old Zania Morrison. Mm. She's got Kona. Uh, up the Wiz and Ride Across America, Race Across America, Ram. Oh, so okay. Uh, Nick Rose, having done Kona, Norseman and Roach. Oh, are um, you listening to me? <laughs> are you listening? I've already read that one. <laughs> Sorry. Far out, Brussels sprout. Andrew Kerr's got Coast to Coast. Uh, New Zealand just has a certain wealth factor. One day I'll learn to paddle. Uh, Paris, uh, Bus, Paris Cycle, which is a 1,500, 15,000, uh, sorry, 1,500-kilometre race. Uh, tradition attached to it isn't as hyped as the Ram, but it fits in with who I am. I'd love to run the Ben Nevis Hill Race back in Scotland too. Stefan Honk, I think it is. It's got a funny thing below the O, I don't know how you pronounce that. Uh, number one, Comrades. Number two, Badwater. And number three, the Barclays Marathon. Matthew Matthew Benz just wants to do road. Nice. That's it. That's it. Lots of Konas on here. Michael Johnson, uh, the great runner that we used to have. Uh, he said Kona, Western States 100 and New York City Marathon. Yep. Um, Christine McKinley, I think I might have to go see her soon. When are you mm-hmm. going to the dentist next? <clears throat> Is he ready for your yearly checkup? I'll be going pretty soon probably, yep. I think it's She's over on the West Coast, I think, at the moment. Oh, is she going to be, we should be there for us? She's just, I don't know, just over there mountain biking. I oh, think. okay, that's okay. Good work. Yeah. Uh, She's got Keltman, Extreme Scottish Triathlon. Uh, since I am a Scotty and up to Wes and the Grape Divide mountain bike Banff to New Mexico and it's Banff to New Mexico Banff. Uh, and James Hotel said the Tour de France oh nice good, work. good luck with that James yeah yep. if you could do that I'd be well impressed but, I mean you're never going to be able to do the Tour de France Tour de France but if you did the Tour de France as a, a amateur sort of thing that'd be kind of cool if they had that so they're bringing out this programme right now in New Zealand I'm sure they've done this in other sports overseas where it's a second chance for rugby league players to try to make it in the NRL. Mm. So it's kind of, you know, you've obviously had to have been a pretty good rugby league player in your time. You're probably mm. early 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you went down the wrong path a little bit. And it's kind of like they'll get probably 10, 15 guys and they're guaranteed an NRL contract at the end of it. So, right. you know, so so it's kind of a cool concept. And I'm sure they've probably done it in other sports. You know, I'm, I'm sure it's not a new idea. At what point in your career, do, like let's say it was... Tour de France. Mm. Do you think you could have ever got to the Tour de France? No. Even if you just went all out? No. Uh, no. Not even as a domestic, because you were pretty mean on the hills. But I do think that, you know, most of us, if we knew what we know now, when we were oh, 21, if only, a hell of a lot if quicker. Only, eh? If only you had the wisdom of age when you were yeah. young and fast. Yeah. Uh. Bevan, what's on your... Uh, uh, Norseman. If I were to ever do an Ironman again, it would definitely be that one. I just mm-hmm. that's so appealing. Uh, I would like to do Comrades. I just think mm-hmm. the experience of that race would be pretty kind of phenomenal. Um, and New York Marathon. Right. Why New York? Uh, I love New York. Mm. New York's an amazing city. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just think it'd be a cool. I, I want to do a big marathon. I do mm. want to do a big marathon mm-hmm. at some stage. Just knock out a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I, I kind of see the big marathon as not a fast race for me. I think I just want to immerse myself kind in it. Check it out. Yeah, like, you know, I want to do a slow race, but I just kind of want to, mm. you know, just have the experience. And I, and I love New York. New York's one of my favourite cities in the world. And I check out James Hotel. Yeah. Catch up with James Hotel. Talk about Tour de France strategies. <laughs> I was like, mate, you've got a kid now. <laughs> yes, I'll, be, I'll be your lead out, man. He'll be your dumb mistake. I'll, I'll give you a minute at the front. Um, yeah, no, I just, you know what? Everyone I know who's done New York raves about it. Mm. I, I've never heard someone say, oh, mm. you know, everyone who does New York raves about it. And I don't know, like, I'm, I'm sure any big marathon has that appeal. But New York City, man, it's like, have you been in New York? I'm not, no, no. Oh. the worst. We're thinking of doing it next year. Joe and I, come and join mm-hmm. us. Okay. Yep. yep. Done. Yep. Okay. Uh, you? I had, fir- my first one would be, uh, uh, and I know I only said three things here. Oh, but- <laughs> back it up. Who was it that you were giving crap to? Pa- Pavel. You know, Pavel. I'm, I'm giving all terms. So if my first one would be to do a, a sort of a, some sort of stage race, and that would be either the Triple T or, and I've got no idea if the Triple T is actually a cool um, course or anything like that. I do like to choose races on cool courses, but either Triple T or um, Iron Tour, something like that. The Iron Tour was probably one race that I did actually it's regret. I, uh, yeah, it is still going. It's in a diff- quite a different format now. I would have liked to have done it in the well, old format. It's basically five to seven days of doing a triathlon of different format every day. Oh, wow. So did that, you do it? No, but I, I got the opportunity to do it. But Why I decided. I I'd arranged to go to do a half Ironman that weekend. It's my yep. first ever half Ironman, and in hindsight, I exploded <laughs> <laughs> majorly. It was just a, an epic explosion. Again, that wisdom thing when you were young. Yeah, yeah. and uh, the same weekend was the Iron Tour, and one of the guys on the team pulled out, and they offered me the chance to go. And I was like, oh, "This is a pretty strong team." Like it had um, Paul Amy in it, who's a you yeah. know a world. Uh, I think he won a world title one year in duathlon. Bevan Doherty and a few other guys. Yeah. I was like, oh. And in hindsight, you I didn't want to be the weakest link. I did didn't you? want to be the weakest link. In hindsight, the the guy that ended up two of the guys on the team, I would have actually done better than. Uh. So, oh, bugger. Anyway, and I blew up at the half. So I really would have liked to have done the Iron Tour um, these days, maybe the Triple T or something like that would be really cool. Um, and then probably my second one would probably be Ember Man, which is... We did an Olympic distance race oh, here, okay. and we rode over part of the courses they did, and I thought, holy bejoly, that is tricky. And my reason, rationale behind Embraer Man versus, say, Norse Man is Embraer Man is ridiculously hard on the bike, but so is Norse Man. Mm. But the appeal for me on Embraer Man is it's a, it's a classic race, um, and also the run is more of a run that you can run. It's not a yeah, over, overly hard. And, and, yeah, the yeah. Norse Man climbing up the mountain, whilst it has appeal to me, and it would be on my my list somewhere a bucket Andrew list Kudu? it's not that no, high it was, um, who's it? Adam Bardsley and um, Richard uh, bloody hell um, came on Epic Camp and your name eludes me and you know who you are and I've just forgotten your name all oh. of a sudden he's one of the Pommy boys yeah yeah yep yeah <laughs> <laughs> you went on your Epic right. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Are you, you, make sure you give him crap about this whoever you know you are yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whoever you know you are Where's the commitment? You know, you went to his camp, you supported him all the way. You did Kona last year. You got photos of Bev. Yeah, and you get. You, yep. I don't know which one you're talking about, but you it was do Adam Barsley. So. You do so. No, I don't, I don't actually. No, I don't. I can't remember which. Because there was a few of them. Because he had like Fegan. Fegan's what I was thinking of. Bloody hell, yeah, that's so I couldn't remember his name oh, for a second. Okay, well, sorry, sorry Fegan. 
Jay, but vegan is like did. the biggest contributor <laughs> to the show of all yeah. time. You didn't create a big enough impression on me. <laughs> Far out, Brussels. <laughs> That's a shocker. Oh, do, will you remember me in the morning? Well, I'm obviously a not. I've, I've tried to erase vegan from my memory bank. See, it's shifted over to a different part of my brain, and you, you're nothing to me now. <laughs> you're nothing to me. <laughs> uh, stopped, I think he stopped doing triathlon, but I did notice they were doing a camp up in the Lake District last weekend. Oh, there you go. There you, there you go. go. So I do still follow you, Fegan. Don't worry. Yeah. And then, uh, so Ember Man would have been right up there. And if I couldn't get to Ember Man, I would Nice would have been uh, right up there as well. So I've got a very French but, but, theme but here. But what you're doing is you're bringing back old races. Oh yeah. Well, no, you can't do them. Ember Man's still going. Yeah, nice is still going. Would you still do Nice now? Would Nice still be a bucket list race? The bike course really is, appeals to me. The French bike courses. Yeah. And then my third and final one, I don't actually have an exact specific race there. Um, I like to do. So you've race. actually done five so far, but I like the way you. No, I'm going to go. I'm going to break it down into Iron Tour. Yeah. That's actually not still around. So maybe I'll go Triple T. <laughs> I'll go Triple T, yeah. Ember Man, yeah. and then I'd, I'd need to find a race, something like Laguna Phuket Triathlon. I like. Uh, you, you talked about New York and these massive yeah. races. I actually like going to races that That's are quite a bit way. smaller, really cool little courses out in the middle of nowhere and you know maybe 500 people racing and that's Laguna Phuket is still um, a very memorable race for a number of reasons but also you're out in the wilderness and it's not all pumped up too much and uh, those sort of races appeal to me. Good times rock and roll. Okay Jonbo this week's discussion we're, uh, we've got Andrew Messick on the show in a few minutes and uh, we just thought this week we could get to you guys to discuss what you think WTC's biggest challenge is this year. Um, obviously there's this is female thing but uh, any other areas you think that they have challenges in this year and not necessarily even negative challenges like just things that you think mm. they can be challenged on or, or they can grow in this year do you want to do sets tactics but now yeah we'll quickly throw it in <clears throat> okay put some music on Statistic. It's fantastic. Okay, John, but what's your goss? It's a pretty straight stat this week. Um, How Tao did the London, London Marathon. Marathon. He looked a little bit slightly disappointed when I saw his Facebook post. Right. And Two. he did put on his Facebook post, maybe this is why. And he had a photo of his, his splits. Mm. He did a PB 10K, mm. a PB half, a PB 25K, I think it was as well. Mm-hmm. He still did 2.30, so I can't be that disappointed. So the stat this week, How <laughs> Tao went 2.30.07 at the London Marathon. I'd like to know uh, if there's anybody else out there who is an Ironman athlete, age grouper, that has been faster than that. Um, H-Y-W-E-L. There we go. I'm just trying to find his Facebook. Here we go. Hell Davies. And he's even, uh, you know, we gave him the name Hal Tao, and he's even got that on his little uh, page terms of that's on his uh nice on his website and how tao is a smart man (laughs) he's going to be on the show in the next couple of weeks i popped him a facebook um note and he's keen to come on he's got a picture of him running i think it might have been london last year and this is on his blog page and his hawaiian shirt and then what he's done in the background is there's some sponsorship banners there and he's changed them them, so he's put extreme endurance up there and uh another company uh whole earth which i think is some sort of natural foods company he's put them up in the background nice work did he go did he get under the 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 marathon pb no he went he did a pb but he went 230.07 and he wanted to go 229 oh because on his own thing it's got 220.06 He's got, he's got oops, and he's got a PB for 15K, 10 miles, 20K, half marathon, 30K. But then he's got marathon PB, but it says, but he must have gone a little bit over. 
But it's two thirty oh seven. Anyway, um, I've been. I, I know that Craig Kirkwood's been faster than that. Who's a, an Ironman athlete, but he was a runner who went to Ironman. Yeah. I'd be keen to know if there's any triathletes out there that you guys know of that have been triathletes and have then given running a good crack, and if they've gone quicker than uh, two hours thirty, because that's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive, isn't it? Mm. That's really. And it's not like a Howtow's a, a spring chicken. He's not like a twenty-two year old or anything. He's about our age sort of late late 30s I think so that's the thing about those big marathons they like you know 230 most a lot of marathons in the world that could almost win you the race mm. you'd be definitely podium wouldn't in, you in New Zealand you'd be top five at most most yeah. races and uh, there I'm not sure where he placed but I'm, I'm sure it was far down you know mm. far out man those those fast guys are awesome so well done Howtow that's our stat for this week 2.30.07. He's pretty impressive, mate. We'll get you on the show in the next few weeks. Okay. Um, Got an interview now with Andrew Messick coming up from WTC, and you'll hear all about what's up this year and hopefully some interesting stuff. So here it comes. Here we go. Righty-ho. We're very happy to have uh, the man who leads the you know, one of the main organisations within our sport, the WTC, on the show today, Mr Andrew Messick. I think maybe third time he's been on the show. Welcome along, Andrew. Oh, happy to be here, guys. Um, one of the few topics we wanted to go over today, but one of the things that um, I sometimes look at WTC and try to figure out actually how big you guys are and, and how that sort of fits into the, the general scheme of endurance sports. So I was wondering if you could maybe give us a quick overview of actually how big the WTC is in terms of employees, turnover, and things like that, so people can get an actual grasp of either if they think you guys were way bigger than what you were or give them a grasp if they thought you were um, smaller than what you are? Well, we we have, I believe, 14 offices around the world now. Uh, we've got you know, north of 300 full-time employees. Um, you know, we operate north of 40 full-distance Ironman races, either between you know, our own teams and our licensees. Uh, and we've got, I believe, north of, or we will have, north of 80, 70.3s uh, around the world between either us and, and our licensees. So, you know, we are uh, the biggest you know, mass participation uh, event company in the world. And, you know, we've got, uh, you know, Ironman and Ironman 70.3. We've got Iron Girl, which is a women's only series that, is focused mostly in North America, but we also organize races in, in other parts of the world. We've got an Iron Kids series, which is kids-focused uh, running in triathlon. We own a series of uh, short-distance races, quite a few of them in Canada. I think we have 18 races in Canada in total, uh, which is which are focused uh, out west, the West Subaru Western Triathlon Series and the Subaru Ontario Triathlon Series. Uh, which are sprint and Olympic distance races mostly. Uh, we own the, you know, the great uh, Noosa uh, Tri Festival, which is, you know, the, the biggest uh, Olympic distance triathlon in the Southern Hemisphere, but but also a whole series of other multi-sport events. Um, we have the Malulaba Tri Fest. Uh, we've got the ITU uh, World Championship Series event in the Gold Coast that we operate. Uh, and so we're, uh, you know, we're quite involved in, in a number of things. We also own a number of running events. We own the Auckland Marathon. We own the Santa Cruz Half Marathon. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, we're, uh, 
you know, at least by the standards of of our industry, we're uh, you know, we're fairly fairly big player. Just one question: I'm doing the ASB Bank Auckland Marathon later this year. Actually, I was just wondering: is is that an area yeah. that you guys are looking to expand in the future, or was that just an opportunity that that came up and you thought, oh, that's you know just a fit, or is, is marathon something that you might go into further down the track? Because I think with a, a lot of those other events you talked about, you you know you acquired them through purchasing, say. Um, the the, the company the company in Australia which already ran all those events or is, is running events um, something you may target in the future? Well, there, there's you know in particular with the ASB Auckland Marathon, we, we think that it fits well with what we're doing in in New Zealand. And we have a, a you know an experienced and and highly capable you know, team of you know that that has for you know many 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 years operated uh, Ironman New Zealand. Um, you know, we we brought on the the Telpo half, which is now the Telpo seventy point three, and and you know our our good old friend Wayne Reardon is doing more and more with us, and and because we've got deep relationships with sponsors, deep relationships with athletes, you know, deep relationship with uh, with AT, you know, the the Auckland Tourism and Economic Development Agency, uh, it made a lot of sense for us, you know, because we, we feel like we've got. A lot of knowledge about how to how to organize events in New Zealand, and, and we feel like we've got a, a lot of knowledge about how to create events that are going to make uh, Kiwi athletes happy. So, so it's it's clearly an area where where we're we're giving some some thought. You know, what we do in the future is you know we'll have to see, but but at least in New Zealand, it made a lot of sense for us, and uh, you know it may make sense for us in other places too. You, you know, you, you come from the cycling world. You did a lot of work in Tour of California. What, how does it compare what WTC is doing to maybe some of the big cycling organisations? Well, I think one of the things that makes us really different from everybody is that we really are a global company. And, you know, we have you know, offices and people uh, in Asia. We have offices and people in Australia and New Zealand. We've got offices and people all, all over North America, all over Europe. In South Africa, and so because we operate a, a global series of races, and our athletes are unique and remarkable in their ability and willingness to travel, you know, we feel that it's essential for us to have a pretty high degree of, of operational control over events. Because if you're an athlete, you you don't necessarily know or care about whether an event is owned by us and operated by us or owned by one of our you know, partner licensees. Um, so we feel like it's really important for, for Ironman to make sure that we've got an ability to, to deliver a certain standard of race uh, and a, a certain standard of athlete experience at, at everything we do around the world that has Ironman or Ironman 70.3 on it. Mm-hmm. So consequently, we spend... A, a lot of time and a lot of effort making sure that all of our races around the world are are executed at, at, a, at a certain standard. And so even races that we license, you know, I was at Ironman Taiwan you know, two weeks ago, and, and that's a, a race that we license. Um, you know, but we had three of our full-time guys up there who were making sure that, you know, we were helping our partner and making sure that everything that needed to be done was, was done. 
and and we think that that's an area where you know the investment that we're that we're making and, and the effort that we put in is is warranted and justified because you know operational delivery is really hard it's really complicated it's tricky it's local and and we feel that you know a, an athlete anywhere in the world who chooses to do one of our races should have a bedrock level of of athlete experience and we're prepared to to invest time and effort to to make sure that that happens um one of the areas where you know you guys sometimes um get some negative feedback and whether that's justified or not is some of the race coverage so if we look at Kona for example you know you have live streaming coverage all day over there but some people feel that you know it should be it should be better um at the end of the day we're still a very niche sport so do you think you know relative to say cycling do you think people's expectations around what you can deliver um and what um, and within our sport and say Kona, do you think their expectations are in the right place? Are you, are you happy with the job that you do with coverage in Kona, or you know, should we expect in our sport, you know, Tour de France style coverage? Well, I mean, that's an interesting question, and and part of what makes you know the, the job that we do uh, interesting and challenging is how much our athletes care and. And the commitment and the passion and the expectation, frankly, that they have for around everything that we do is really, really high. Um, you know, we, we do a lot with Kona. We, we spend, for a company our size, a, an enormous amount to produce a live show for Kona. And we think it's the best thing in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and could we do more? You know, we have three motos at, at Kona. You know, the Tour de France has, I think, eight. Um, the Tour de France, you know, also is a, you know, is a race that generates, you know, extraordinary, uh, amounts of television support mm-hmm. and, and they can afford all of that. Whereas a race like ours, you know, even Kona, um, the, the overall audience uh, for, for Kona is a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction. Of, of what it is for the Tour de France, which is, you know, a, a you know, month-long uh, set of television content for, for broadcasters around the world. And, and if you've ever been to the Tour de France and you've ever looked at the television compound, uh, the amount of investment that not only uh, France television makes, but, but all the unilaterals that what NBC Sports and every other broadcast puts into the production is it, it dwarfs what we could ever do. We think that, that we do a good job. We're trying to get better. Uh, we think that the Kona broadcast has gotten better. Um, you know, things that we're doing this year, you know, we're introducing live GPS tracking for our championship events. We, we did it at Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did it in South Africa. We're going to do it in, in Texas in, in a couple weeks' time. And, you know, we're we're working really hard, and I think we're doing a good job in improving the experience of of the broadcast and of the live coverage of our races. You know, it it's really different, and you know, for for the Tour de France, you know, there's pivotal and decisive moments. It, it's a very uh, you know, it's the type of event that broadcasts really really well. Long distance triathlon isn't as straightforward in terms of being able to to create a compelling television product, uh, you know, it's, 
the races are long. There, there aren't, you know, there aren't uh, decisive moments that are predictable the way that that professional cycling is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we can do better. I think we are doing better, and and I think we expect to to continue to to push the edge of of what's possible in you know in the broadcast uh, and live distribution of of our races, and uh, and it's an area where we're spending time and effort and money. Um, this this time of the year is um, can sometimes be a bit quiet on the triathlon news. You know the races are a bit more spread out. But one thing that's been in the news a lot lately is the woman, um, the uh, pro woman trying to get fifty women from for Kona, and we've seen a lot of stuff going on social media, but we haven't really seen much of a response from WTC on this. So what's your sort of stance on the whole fifty woman to Kona, and 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 what's your sort of side on the story side of the story from a WTC perspective? Well, I, I think first first and foremost, I think that, that the group that that is advocating for for 50 slots for Kona, uh, I know most of them. Um, the ones that I do know, I, I like and I respect. Uh, I understand their argument, and and I can understand that from, from where they sit, um, they believe that it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, we have a different point of view, and, and we believe that the way that we've always allocated slots to Kona, you know, the, the, biggest, the biggest groups should get the most slots. We think that that is the fairest way for, you know, for the overall community. And, and that, you know, what is, you know, having proportional representation is, is the way that, you know, we can take the best care of the most people in, in terms of getting them in Dakota. And, and I think it's important to recognize that it's, you know, we're never going to make everybody happy when it comes to Kona. And that's largely because we could fill 20 Konas. Everybody wants to race Kona. You know, it's the race that's on everybody's bucket list. It's the hardest race to get into. You know, fewer than 3% of our age group athletes qualify. And in certain age groups, you know, the, the, the male age groups in particular, between 35 and 50, fewer than 2% of athletes qualify. And, and so it's really, really hard for people to get into Kona, and people want to get into Kona really, really badly. And so whatever mechanism that we use to allocate the incredibly scarce slots is going to leave some groups saying, I should get more. And, and we get that. And, you know, it's not all lost on us. But ultimately, in any given year, you can only put as many people into the race as you can put in. And, and that at some level, you know, in any given year, if you give more slots to one group, it means another group is going to get less. And so while I understand and respect where they're coming from, um, today, already, women professional athletes have an easier path to Kona than their male counterparts. And a higher percentage of them uh, qualify. And, and we think that arbitrarily adding additional slots for there to be absolute parity um, takes a, you know, would make that difference even greater. And, and in fact, I think you're establishing a separate 
lower standard for professional women. And, and I think we philosophically um, don't think that's the right thing to do. Um, do you do you agree that it's had a you know there's quite a bit of negativity around it from w, because they're being very very active on the social media, um, and that's like it or not it, it seems from our perspective that it's having um, it's like a PR nightmare a, for you a guys. PR nightmare yeah. for you guys. So I guess um, it, is there any plan to change it further down the track, and how could this have maybe all been dealt with better from either your point of view or from the the female's group point of view in terms of trying to come up with a slightly more amicable solution? Uh, I mean, I I can only speak for us. And, you know, we've we've had fundamentally the same way of allocating age group slots for 30 years. And, you know, the pro system... Um, since, I guess, 2011 was when the KPR came in. Um, but you know, we haven't changed anything. We're continuing to do things the way we've always done it. And, and we, by the way, we think that's the right thing to do for the broader community. Um, you know, I, I appreciate the passion um, that people bring, and you know, they're free to agree or disagree with the way we've done things. Um, but as of right now, we don't feel that um, that changing the way we allocate slots for professional athletes or age group athletes is the right thing for the broader Ironman community. So do, do, do you feel frustrated by the way you guys maybe are being painted as maybe a little bit sexist or a little bit backward and, um, you know, you know the yeah. in, inequality around the kind of argument? Well, so so... I don't think there's any sports that have done a better job in in developing and creating opportunities for female professionals. You know, we have forever, since the very beginning, had equal prize money for men and for women. We have, and and there are very few sports. You know, we've got more than a hundred races that have professional prize purses, and all of them have equal money for men and women. And we think that. That is the single best thing you can do to promote participation for female professional triathletes. You know, it is a, it is a fact that you know we give away all of the allocated prize money to men, but we don't for women. You know, we are unable to today give away all of the pro prize money because we have a number of races every year where we have fewer professional triathletes in a race than we have prize slots available. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, it, there isn't really an easy and, and simple solution. Um, and, and I wish there were, but arbitrarily creating quotas for, for women, for pro women doesn't feel right to us. What feels right to us is to look at the root causes of why Iron Man in general is, at an age group perspective, 80% male and 20% female, and why, from a root cause perspective, there's twice as many professional men competing as there are professional women. And to focus our efforts and energy there feels like the right thing for us, and that's what we're doing. Mm. And so... You know, the Women for Try initiative is focused on 
how do you bring females into the sport? And, and what are the differences in terms of men and women in why they become involved in the sport of triathlon? And, and how do we engage in pragmatic activity to encourage females to participate in the sport? And, and whether that has anything to do with professionals or not is a question that we haven't answered yet. But, but our belief is that the right long-term solution for solving the issue of both age group and professional women in our world championship events isn't quotas, but it's figuring out how do we encourage more women to be a part of the sport. And, and so that's where we're spending our time. And look, we have a, a very passionate group of athletes who feel very strongly. And part of my job is to uh, let them express themselves to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every email that I've received, I've res- responded to, and every person who's called me up on the telephone, I return their phone call. And so, you know, there's, I, I feel like, we, we are being responsive, but I think there's a big difference between being responsive to people who want to engage in a productive dialogue and, you know, engaging on Twitter. Um, because one of them, I th- we think fundamentally is pretty productive and one of them is less fundamentally productive. Yeah, you made, you made some very good points there. Appreciate you commenting on that. Now, whether you know it or not, a few years ago when you came on the show and you talked about the, the legacy program, I think for a while you were our, <clears throat> the record holder for the most downloads on, on IM Talk. I think Brett Sutton may have overtaken you now. <laughs> What's all that about? But, um, <laughs> when we interviewed uh. him. But, uh, so I think you're still up there in the top, top two or three in terms of uh, biggest number of downloads. So have you got any, any major announcements for this year? Look at, well, I guess looking at 2016 in, in general terms, is there anything significantly different we're going to see this year um, that you'd like to either re-emphasise or any new news? Well, so, so here's, here's the story of 2016. and Excuse me, of 2015. And, and this is an extraordinary story. In, in 2015, we'll have our first race in Poland, our first race in Croatia, our first race in Turkey, our first race in Ecuador, our first race in Uruguay, our first race in Indonesia, first race in Vietnam. In all of these countries, there is a developing and burgeoning long-distance triathlon community. And athletes are being attracted to the sport of triathlon and are being inspired by the journey that they take to become Ironman or Ironman 70.3 athletes. And we're, we're really excited to be helping to bring the long-distance triathlon and, and all of the things that make us personally passionate about the sport. We're, we're pretty excited about the fact that we've taken powerful steps towards being a dramatically more global company and, and for Ironman to become a, a company and a series of races that, that attract athletes from all over the world. And so, you know, it's been a big area of emphasis for, for me in the years that I've been here for us to become a less North American centric company for world championships to really be world championships 
and for the pool of athletes who compete in our races around the world to to come from everywhere. And it's happening. It really is. And it's taken three or four years, but it's happening. And I think what we're seeing on the women's side is going to happen too. And that over time, we're going to see more and more women coming into the sport. It's going to be something we care about. It's going to be an area where we spend time and effort and resources. And, and we really are looking forward to seeing a future that, you know, in which Ironman is not just about, you know, North American, Australian, New Zealand, and German men racing, but we're going to be more global. The color of the athletes is going to be different, and the gender of the athletes is going to be different. In five years from now, I think we're going we're gonna to be seeing you know, a very different pool of athletes in Kona, in our world championships, in our races around the world. And I think it's pretty exciting. Um, and I feel pretty good about where we stand in that journey. But don't get me wrong, it's a journey. And you know, we've got a lot of work to do. And as we get bigger, you know, our, uh, if things get more complicated, things get harder. And, uh, but, you know, we are all personally and professionally passionate about Ironman and, and pretty excited about what the future is going to bring. Andrew, you know, like I know your triathlon's got lots of growth and you guys obviously look at the markets and try to see where growth points are and stuff like that. Have you guys noticed a, a you know, now, of recent times in the last kind of five years, we've seen this big growth in kind of adventure racing, not as in like the big four-day races, as in like the mud, the tough mudders and stuff like that. Is that, is that hurting triathlon? I don't think so. Okay. I think when you, when you look at the, you know, the obstacle races or the mud runs, mm. Um, or you look at the growth of the non-competitive running formats, mm. the color runs yeah. and, 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 and those types of things. We, we think fundamentally that anything that gets an athlete to put on a race number is good for us in the long term. Mm. And that some portion, a big portion of people who are participating in, in both the obstacle racing and the non-competitive short run formats are people who are absolutely new to our industry and who are completely new to, to mass participation. And some portion of those people are going to decide to do another race and to train for a half marathon or a marathon or an Olympic or a sprint distance triathlon. And some portion of those athletes are going to keep going in their journey. And as long as they do, and as long as we as an industry are able to create great experiences for them, the broader the base of the pyramid is, we think, the better for all of us. And, and it really is, you know, we are in a, an extraordinary time. Uh, and, that, you know, I was just in Asia for, for our 70.3 in Putrajaya, Malaysia, and, uh, and Ironman Taiwan. And, you know, there are vibrant endurance communities emerging all over Asia. Uh, you know, I met a couple from, uh, from Shanghai in the airport in, uh, in Kaohsiung on my way back from Ironman, Taiwan. They told me that the Shanghai Triathlon Club has 2,000 members. 
Holy moly. <laughs> Impressive. Impressive. And that, that blew my mind. Yeah. Um, but, but there is, you know, running is booming. Cycling is booming all around the world. And, and triathlon, we think, is going to continue to boom, too, as long as we're able to create great races and great events. Mm-hmm. And that's really our focus. And, and, and we think that we've got a, a lot of runway in front of us to be able to continue to create great events for, for our athletes. Final question for you, Andrew. What, what races are you going to do this year? I saw you at 70.3 in, uh, in Honu either last year or the year before. What have you got planned yourself? Oh, so I'm, uh, I'm doing the inaugural Vietnam 70.3. Oh. So uh, I'll be in Da Nang for that, and I'm going to try to limp around the course and not embarrass myself. <laughs> uh, I promised our partner in Ecuador that I'll do the 70.3 in Manta in August. And I'm contemplating and currently negotiating with my wife whether I'm allowed to do a full distance race in the in the Surely northern. Is a negotiation. <laughs> we all know about that. Andrew, thanks for making yourself um, thanks for making yourself so accessible. As you said, um, you know you, you've always responded to us, which has been fantastic, and uh, and it's just fantastic. I think for you guys to get your point of view out on, especially the woman, and that made some really good sense. So yeah, as always, thanks so much for your time and everything you do for the sport. Oh, it's a pleasure, guys. I'll see you at the races, huh? Yeah, sweet, mate. See you, mate. Okay, we've actually pre-recorded that, so we don't actually know what's happening in the interview right now. But Fascinating stuff. But again, once again, we delivered, didn't we, John? Yeah. <laughs> Mechanic 75 women in Kona. I did not see that one. I did <laughs> not, not see that one coming. <laughs> so, sponsor. <laughs> There's going to be 20 guys and 75 yeah, women. Yeah, they've changed. I've really turned around on this one. Sponsor. Uh, com. Yep. Tell us about it. I'm signing my kids up. Oh, back it up. My kids are going to be on Athlinks. That's they, actually not a bad idea. They did a running race at the weekend. Uh, they won their age group. Oh, wow. Both of them won their age group. One of one of two. Hey, a win's a win. <laughs> it's like win. bodybuilding. I did bodybuilding years ago. And bodybuilding in Christchurch is not a big sport. So often you'd win just by entering. So they did. Uh, they did. They did well. It was just we, we were there, and then, and they needed a couple of people to fill teams. And I said to the kids a couple of days before, "Do you want to do this race?" And I said, "Yep." And so we did it. And uh, what was yeah, the race? It was Hagley Relays. So they did yep. like I don't know. Yep. It was maybe k and a half. Yep. Um, it was, I think it was supposed to be two k, but it wasn't two k because Thomas. How'd you go? Went nine thirty. Um, yeah, we did. Our team got second or third. Your team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what happened to you? Bad at the office. Uh, I would go B or B minus for effort, maybe C plus for performance. What was your time? Fourteen twenty nine. Fourteen for five k. No, it was it was like four point to sort of cross country, so uh. distance doesn't mean too much. I'm gonna have to get used to getting checked. Oh really? Yeah. Mm. Now's the time. The age has happened. Mm. I didn't. I didn't run very well, and I didn't. I didn't have a have a good run. It was just to blow the cobwebs out, yeah. but. Even if I'd had my best run, I still would have got checked by at least one check. Uh, she is very, very good, uh, Rosa Flanagan. She's like world class, sort okay. of. Yeah, she's uh, she's still a junior. <laughs> that makes it even worse. <laughs> but she's, I think, I don't know if she got a medal at World Junior Champs last year, but like she's all class. She was fifty seconds in front of me. So wow. I mean, if I'd had a good run, I would have been twenty seconds quicker. 
but I think I got beaten by about three other chicks as well. Mm. Anyway, it's not pretty. Just but back to, to back to athletics. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna basically the, you know a lot of these races when the kids are older it may or may not be around. So I'm gonna sign the kids up, and they're gonna have a nice little history of all their races, and Good we'll job. see see how they get on. So check it out athletics.com and make sure you get all your upcoming races. In it's there. actually not a bad idea because the thing is the kids aren't gonna do it, but if you do it every time they race, especially if you've got a kid who's kind of young and athletic, mm. you know, five years from now you say, oh by the way I've been doing this and you keep it up now and they'll love it and it's a great way for them and this is something I'm really big with not just our kids but with like our soccer team and stuff and the Try, the try Kids program we run is watch you know getting their progression and you letting them understand progress. that they are making progress even if they're not the fastest to make sure that they can see that progress so and that's really important like we had a runner of ours a girl called Jo and uh, she'd been running over us for a while and she came up and she goes Bill I'm just not getting you faster and I was like oh what are you what are you what are you you know, what's your GPS time's telling you? And she goes, I haven't really looked. And she went back and came back. It turns out she gained <laughs> of speed, eh? Mm. But people don't feel they're getting faster. And, mm. you know, sometimes you need these, you know, these little markers to actually sit back and go, actually, I am progressing. Mm. So, yeah, good idea. So check it out, athlinks.com. Get everybody, everybody you know signed up. Sign them up without them even knowing it. There <laughs> you go, athlinks.com. Okay, John, we've got another interview here. And well, Let me pull up the details. I'm going to pause for a second here. Wait a second. Okay, so the next interview is two of our listeners. Actually, we interviewed them when I was in Kona last. I was interviewed them in the race in Kona last year. Right. When you were out there racing, <clears throat> and we were making predictions. Anticipating, uh, I wasn't racing. Yeah, well, you, well, you were meant to be. <laughs> That's the problem. Uh, Happy Tremaine and Iron Tash, and these two people are just pretty awesome people. Really, they're just putting. They want to do something to give back to sport, and they've started a website, Possibility.com. So I'm going to get them on right now. We can. Have, they can tell us what they're doing. Here we go. Radio team, I'm very excited. It's, it's just me here today. Newsom's on holiday, so I'm doing the work, although admittedly he tends to do most of the interviews when I'm away, so it's kind of a bit of a payback. But I've got two two of our POMI contingent. Uh, two, last year in Kona, you may remember we were doing on-the-street interviews, and I was hanging out on Alihi Drive with a few POMs, and uh, Happy Tremaine and Iron Tash were those two people. How are you going, guys? We're really well, thank you. Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. I'm not a POM, I'm an Aussie. That's and right. Oh, yeah, but We're that's right. London. Yeah, that's right. And because the other guy was from Australia. So, what was the other guy's name? Stuart Moore. Morpheus, we call him now. He's one of our coaches. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. But you, you are based in London. So, you're part of our London contingent, contingent aren't you? Yeah. Hey, so, guys, um, first of all, congratulations to the marriage. When, you, when you're getting married, what's the story there? Uh, we're getting married 14th of November back in Melbourne. Which will be uh, quite nice. <laughs> being being stupid triathletes, do you do anything kind of stupidly, kind of athletic around your wedding? Well, I'm, I'm going to actually, with my bucks on, I'm going to make all my mates come and go on a running camping weekend. <laughs> so that's pretty interesting. We actually want to run the morning of our wedding, so we want to go out for a run together before we actually get married. So that would be nice. It's breaking all the rules. He's not meant to see you until he sees you up the aisle. I know, but we're all about creating a new normal. Oh, <laughs> so. you, guys, you guys are rebels. There's no denying it. Hey, so we've got you guys on the show today because you guys um, have kind of started this new initiative, I suppose we can call it, and um, that you really want to kind of use to help people achieve more through our sport. And so maybe I'll, I'll just kind of chuck it at you guys. What was What is the thinking? What's kind of led towards this? And maybe, maybe start giving us just what basically this is. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah, it's called Possibility Race Team. Um, the idea behind it was just we really wanted to target at grassroots and to give people opportunity, I suppose, maybe people that um, are not financially as well off or I, I know Tash in the past has sponsored a few athletes to compete in certain races to try and achieve their goals, and I've done the same back back in Australia with a couple of people. It's when we thought 
lots of ways so people can access like a little bit more funds, but do it in a bit of a different way. So we thought we'll do it from the perspective of build it and they will come like a little bit like that famous movie and hopefully it'll work. So we invested a bit straight up with like products like, you know, we've got like drink bottles, swim caps and a basic members pack and things like that. But the idea is that we don't, we don't need to make any money out of this. Um, we both run our own companies. Um, Natasha works as a business analyst, you know, high-flying corporate. I run my own company in leadership development. So we've got enough money ourselves. Mm. So the way we've funded this is we've pumped our own money in to get it rolling and we've got a few athletes that we're sponsoring straight up. But the idea is that members join, they get a basic members pack and there's three levels, um, but any money made out of that, so over the top of the cost of that product for us, will go straight into what we call an athlete fund. And then from that athlete fund, we will then fund people for their their key races or their A races, as we like to call it in triathlon. Um, and people can put proposals. We see in the future that people will put proposals to us. Um, and then, we'll, you know, if it goes well, then we might have to have a bit of an assessment panel and things like that. But in the interim, we're targeting specific athletes, I guess, that we like, that are definitely grassroots, that really come from nothing, um, you know, trying to give them opportunity. Yeah, we're trying to spot potential, like Tasha's working on in the future, some stuff around junior athletes. Um, and also we have thought about a few key pros that we're starting to meet and things like that, but really people that are struggling in the sport um, to an extent, you know, and not we, – initially we weren't going to offer coaching services or any of that. It was really about a global online community of like-minded people really trying to help each other, but now we're going to offer coaching services, but with a different sort of – uh, I guess perspective, we're going to focus on mindset rather than the actual like specific programs because there's so many programs out there, Bevan, you know, mm, so mm. Um, we think that's easy for people to get and we'll offer those for free. So we'll give online programs for free um, and Stu Morpheus Moore and I are working on getting those up as well. So does that help? Like that's Yeah, so I suppose there's kind of two angles that, that I'm curious about. First of all is, is, is there a specific kind of athlete you're trying to support? Like, is it people who are trying to make it to become pros or is it your everyday person? Is it your total newbie? Like, when when you thought about this, who is the the outcome or the, or the person you're trying to support with, you know, the proceeds that you guys will raise? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to I think um, initially everybody. Um, I have friends. I know people that, you know, qualified for Kona, for instance, last year, but because of funding didn't take the slot. Because they couldn't afford to pay, yeah. and I just sat there thinking to myself, "I I'm in a position to help, so I want to be able to do that." So we created that team to do this to help yeah. people to get there. Because these are people that have got the gift to go. We want to help them get there. Mm. Then there's also the newbies that start off, and you know they have potential, and you just never know what they can achieve if they're just given the opportunity to give it a go. They may find that they're bloody good at it, and then we can we can help them soar. So. And I think from at the moment where we stand right now, everybody, we want to be able to give everybody the opportunity, whether you're a pro, um, obviously the big-time pros have got their own um, sponsors and everything out there, but, you know, the upcoming pros, the juniors, the elites that are coming through from a junior level through to a senior level, those kind of guys. So I imagine right now if, if I'm listening to this right now, you know, on the show and I'm, you know, into triathlon and I'm maybe, you know, getting to Kona this year or I'm up and coming pro, this is obviously going to be pretty attractive to the person who would be able to get use of your services. So I imagine you're going to get a kind of, a, if, you know, if it all goes well, you're going to get a lot of kind of people wanting what you will provide. So is there kind of filters around how you're going to do this or is it like, have you thought about that process? 
So for the first year, we're, we want to increase the team membership. So we have a Shoot for the Stars membership. We charge $188 and they get a massive pack of stuff. But they also go into the draw to win a race, a free race entry of their choice. And we're going to run that for 12 months. And last month we ran it um, for the first time and one of our members won and he, he'll choose a race that's um, relevant to him. I think Rob Hemming. Rob Hemming. So when we get to the point where we get... Go Rob. Go Rob. Well done, mate. <laughs> but when we get to the point of actually, if we get a panel of people, then we will sit down and put a process together of how do we actually assess mm. so that it's fair and equitable for everybody. Yeah. Well, and, just, oh, you go. Sorry. It, it might be, and this perspective might be a bit blue sky for you, but our perspective is like, because we're going to try and target sort of more corporate organizations as well to help fund us. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we're hoping what will happen as it'll build, it'll as it'll grow, it'll grow with us, and then we'll get some corporate people on board that'll help us support that. So we'd ha- I'd hate to say to you that someone's going to miss out because we don't have the money. Mm. Um, they might not get as much as what they think um, they might like, but they'll get something from us. You know, mm. we'll try and help in some way, even if it's through leads through our own networks. Um, like Tasha's pretty massive on Twitter and Facebook, and um, the, the the builds happening pretty well on Facebook with not much. You know, we started up. We're rolling pretty well, and we've got some plans coming up to pitch to some pretty high-level corporates as well. So um, I don't know. We don't want anyone to miss out, but also going back, yeah, we want those good people, but also, mate, just say you're like 25 kilo overweight, right, and and you're particularly females, we notice this, right, and you pull on the lycra at home in front of the mirror, and you go, holy shit, I don't want to put on lycra and go and do a triathlon. Mm. Then what our possibility race team will do is embed you in the culture get you into a team like Tash might do the swim leg, this person might do the bike leg and I might do the run leg. So they get to experience the day of a triathlon as well. So we're also targeting those people that maybe haven't experienced triathlon or are scared of it or intimidated by it um, and help fund some of those as well, which is to us that's a small price to pay. And then some of the bigger guys, but we don't want to throw big cash at some pro um, and say, you know, market us and brand us and all that sort of stuff. We think that just the community will end up branding and building that way. And we want them to wear our kit. We want them to wear the pink cap, you know, mm. um, swim cap. We want them to have the drink bottles and we want them to actually promote what possibility is all about in terms of like, you know, I guess like ordinary people being extraordinary, you know. So, mm. and so, and so help? for, yeah, totally. So, um, then there's kind of the other side. So, how do I support this? And so, there's, there's this kind of membership idea, and, and uh, the idea is that you, you pay for a membership and with that you kind of get product and then yeah. that's that's how you guys then will get revenue. So maybe explain a little bit about how that works and what people would need to do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're, we, we've come up with three levels. The top level is the shoot for the stars. If you get that, that's 188 bucks a year um, and that's 188 Australian dollars. So then you convert it if you're Kiwi, if you're from the UK, if you're from the US and we have got members coming in from everywhere at the moment. Um so, and that gives you access to a whole heap of things like uh, Tasha's worked pretty hard to get some pretty significant deals with people that really we have to keep confidential until you become that Shoot for Stars member. But if you want to know more about it, you can talk to us, but we can't just spread those codes around because some of these people have given us deals, you, you know, like Noon, Hoob, Aquashop, Cura NZ, my company, possibly itself, Dry Robe, Alton Sports, um, Tasha's company, obviously, and then we're working away with Mizuno at the moment. But, and some of those discounts are quite significant. And then also, obviously, ability going to draw. Then there's another one called Grassroots. That's 88 bucks. Mm. Um, you get a little bit less product. 
Um, but you get access to all the coaching services, the free online programs, and still get the discounts, Tash. Yep. Yeah, you still get the discounts. And we've got another one. If you don't want to compete but you just want to be a part of it, um, is what we call a support crew, or I think we call it number one fan, and that's yep. 38 bucks. Um, and you'll still get a bit of product. Um, you know, we don't obviously make as much money out of that, but what ends up happening is any money on top of what the cost of it is goes straight into the athlete fund. Mm. So we're hoping if we can build a big membership base, all that money goes straight into the athlete fund. But in the early stages, we'll fund it. Um, if people contact us and they sort of meet our, I don't know, I guess perspective on what possibility is all about, then then we'll, we'll try and help them, Bev, to be honest. We'll, that's what we need to do in the early days. And for people who... So do you have to be a member to be someone who then gets use of the benefit? Yes. Okay. Yep. So we're being really strict on that. Like to give you an example, like Stuart Morpheus Moore, he's one of our coaches, but we have to have a discussion with him because he actually needs to be a member of us. You know, he can choose the 38, the 88 or the 188. We don't really care, but he has to be a member of us to then be, you know, called a part of the possibility race team. So now obviously because – you know, he's our coach, he's gone on the shoot for the stars. And what we found is we were a bit shocked. We thought initially that people would just sign up for the $88 membership, which is yep. a bit cheaper. No. But when they see that, no, we – and I thought, oh, we'll pull the 188. But now we've got more 188s than the other members. So people are seeing the value of it. And I think they see the genuineness of Tash and I that we are going to give back. Mm. Um, and we'll have some stuff coming on our website and Facebook soon about athletes that we're – we're sponsored and mm. what we're doing, what races we're paying for. And then hopefully like Rob and whoever wins next month, they choose a big race and go, holy hell, they've paid for them to go to Switzerland or wherever it is they might go. So the objective this year is to, is to build, obviously, um, and build. kind of doing this monthly thing, which has kind of been revenue from what you've done. Uh, what, what's the plan moving forward? Like, What do you ultimately see this being? Uh, well, good question. Well, well, you, uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I'm, no, I'm, more, I'm, I'm more blue sky pipe dream. I guess Tasha's very practical. She's a business analyst. Yeah. I'm in leadership development and always going in and create visions for organizations and stuff. And I always said, you know, I wanted 1,111 members, you know, <laughs> like, and Tasha just laughs at me. Like, I love the 1111. I love numbers that mean something to people. And so, in my mind, I want 1,111 members that are really interconnected global, know how to use um, social networking well, promote each other, promote themselves, um, you know, grow, learn off each other, mentor each other, um, be interactive, like go along and support each other at at events and things like that. So I guess that's pipe dream. But in the interim, we're plugging along. We'll go for the 111 within like sort of 12 to 18 months, you know. But we're thinking that it might go quicker than that depending on the exposure we get, Bevan. Yeah, for sure. What, what, What have been the challenges? Uh, kid. <laughs> um, so for me being a female and I'm also curvy, so I'm not <laughs> lean as I'd like to be. So getting a lycra is, you know, I'm the typical girl that will look in the mirror and the lycra and think, oh my God, if I'm going to create kit for my team, it needs to be flattering or as flattering as possible. So it's comfortable for everyone to wear guys mm-hmm. and girls. So I think at the moment, the biggest challenge is, uh, you know, finding and choosing the right kit supplier. Um, we've got designs going all over the shop. <laughs> so we're gonna, we've done this thing where we've printed off um, some kit templates and we've got coloured pencils. So <laughs> we're going old school, Bevan. We're actually going to start drawing them ourselves so that we can visually see. <laughs> well, yeah, um, so that, the, the kit is our biggest challenge and we sort of feel like Every time we discuss it, we sort of feel like we have to get it right, but we know that it will be iterations and some people won't like it. So 
we're thinking of ideas like transfers that can go on because some people just like to wear certain kit. Obviously, yeah. our bus color is pink, but we've got like a. You a are looking sharp on the website, Heppy. I tell you, <laughs> I, I was well impressed. That's all I'm going to say. All that at Kona, can you believe that? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Donkey Trunks like to do a deal with us. You'd think you'd be all over us, wouldn't you? But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the pink, we've got the aquamarine blue and the fluoro yellow as well. And the base of, the base of our kit will be a black colour. But, yeah, that is our biggest challenge. But other things like, you know, I guess like ordering stock like visors and, um, well done. you know, swim caps, drink bottles, race belts, postcards, you know, we've done all that. We, we, we pl- we've been planning this since oh, August last year. August last year. So we've been bumbling away behind the scenes and investing, investing and buying all this kit so it's there and ready to go. We've got people who pack kit for us and, yeah, so, yeah, probably race kit. What else? Um, each other, you know. We have different opinion, you know. Yeah. Like, I, I'd race in anything, Bev, like just, you know, and I've proven that. But, but, <laughs> I can but, see on the website, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so. Um, and then yeah, just some little technical issues. Like I think you even discovered one when you had first had a look at our website. Like we're we're just constantly undergoing maintenance and tweaking and arranging and stuff like that to try and make it user friendly and trying to channel people towards Facebook and understanding social uh, people's social media movements and things like that. Like we're pretty good at it, but we're learning more and more each day. Yeah. So yeah. What, what, what was the driver? You know, like as you say, you you've obviously comfortable in life. You're obviously you know outside of triathlon and doing well. You're you're within your own careers. You've kind of got a lot from the sport. What was the what made you? Because I I can imagine it takes a lot of time to do this. You know, and I know that um, it's not necessarily a financial kind of motivator for you, um, but these things take time and, uh, and, and, and resource. So you've obviously committed a lot of time and resource in this last period of your life. What was the real driver for you guys doing this? I think because we're two big driving forces. You know what it was? <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Come on, get to the truth. <laughs> Our relationship, we met on Facebook through Ironman Melbourne 2014 Facebook group and Stuart Moore, who happens to be a very good friend now, um, but has always been a good friend of um, – Travis's, he introduced us without realizing what would happen. And so <laughs> our relationship developed out loud. We lived it out loud and people just came along. Sure, hopefully there was some kind of, some, sometimes it was not so loud, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but like in terms of people just saw us grow and I think, you know, we just, we, we have, are such passionate people mm. um, and we're both passionate about triathlon getting into it, supporting people. I mean, I did my first Ironman last year and, you know, it's, it's, it's such an amazing sport for us. So over time, we literally, I think because we lived out loud so much, we were like, I'm like, you know what, let's create a triathlon team because why would people not want to race in pink and follow us? <laughs> and we do travel the world and race. You know, we went to Bahrain. We've been to Dubai. You know, we went to Kona last year and supported friends out there. You know, we, we're off to Mallorca and Switzerland and Austria this year and Busso even, So, and we're going to go to Vichy. So, you know, we're, <laughs> we're travelling athletes as well. So, mm. you know, I think at the end of the day we just were like, yeah, just let's just do it. So what what have we got to do? It's almost like how can I give the world more of what we love? Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. and, 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 and make, and, it, and, make it available to everyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I love where I was just going with that. And then because we cut at different, deeper levels every time we discuss this, but also on another level, there's 
there's things about the model of like um, uh, triathlon clubs, sporting clubs. I come from a running background, running clubs and things like that, that I think sometimes are a bit clunky and don't quite work for the individual. Mm. Like they're, they're very much all about the team and then they end up all being about the people that run the fastest or be the best or whatever and some of the yeah. other guys get left behind. Yeah. We don't want anyone left behind. Like we'll, we'll, we'll approach people that aren't in clubs and ask why aren't in the club, like why don't you just come and have a look at our Facebook page? Why don't you do this? So, um, yeah, there's a little bit more of a drive that there's – there can be a little bit of elitism that sneaks in in, in triathlon, and I don't want to mention organisations or anything like that. We're, we're not aligning particularly with anyone, but you know, it's just about accessibility, opportunity, possibility, which is what it's all about, even though it's spelt wrong. But but there's a you know, reason why we've yeah, got two T's. We've got two T's for Trav and Tash, but oh, you know, nice. we think we but we think we can transform triathlon, mate. Like at its simplest, transform triathlon, transform the way you think about triathlon, transform the way you think about yourself. Um, in terms of body image, in terms of what sport's about, in terms of what community and interaction's about. So, yeah, there's a lot of drivers. Does that help? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, totally. It, it, yeah, it's great. Um, if I'm listening to this right now um, and I'm thinking, oh, this is kind of cool, maybe I should look into it, what what would be the advice that you want to pass on to people who are thinking about doing this? I would say, you know, get on the website, have a look. It's rt.possibilitywith2ts.com. I'll put a link to that um, on Talk right. to talk to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bye. And then also, you know, you can get on Facebook and search for Possibility Race Team and just have a look at, you know, look at the page, have a browse, you know, see if it's something that you're interested in. If it's something that you've got a question about, write a comment, write us a note. We're, we're so available. And I'm so on the social media, even though I'm working, I can manage lots of things at once. So <laughs> if, you know, a question comes through, you'll probably get an answer really quickly yeah. as well. I had a friend who was a lawyer and he was always like that and I was like because they charge by the minute and I was like who are you charging to respond to my email so quickly <laughs> I, guess I know what it's like I, if I wanna, if I answer, ask a question I sort of want to know fairly quickly so I'm yeah. always about delivering over delivering if I can yeah and if there's if the people come to us and it is a no we'll tell you no straight away like we're not going to go oh we'll see what we can do we'll say this is what we've got this is what we offer this is what, how we can help you you know so um, and there is a real spirit of generosity and giving back if we can bet. Um, mm. So we think as we go along, we'll link with some like-minded people. So that's how we'll slowly build that athlete fund up. But so you suppose, jump on, oh, jump on IM, give us a link, you know, hopefully you'll give us a link on there and stuff. I'll give like you that. a link. So, Don't worry about that. I'll give you a link. Um, <laughs> so, so, so guys, if you are listening and, and I suppose ultimately if you are finding that you just want a bit bigger sense of uh, community support, um, you know, the, those kind of bigger things that are actually probably more important than just kind of racing, uh, check them out. It's rt.possibility.com. I'll put a link to that in www.imtalk.me. Uh, check them out and uh, you can uh, you can look at the membership options and obviously there's a cost, but it, they've got pretty reasonable price and then what you can do is you can kind of check out and who knows that they can end up supporting you financially or, you know, help you move towards your goals. Not even financially because I think it is just that whole knowing other people like community like it's funny you, I've got my running business here in Christchurch and um, you know the biggest thing we've done to be successful is build community and it's sense mm. of community and we've like you guys have talked about that whole you know most running clubs are about who's the best and we've actually we, we don't promote we don't even promote the fastest runners in our group and it, it makes it's made us so more accessible to everyday people and, uh, and you know it seems like what you guys are doing is, is you know a very similar kind of philosophy and uh, it's obvious you guys are very passionate about this so Good luck, and uh, and keep us updated of what you guys are doing. And uh, again, check it out, guys. And if you are interested, you can email these guys. Check out their Facebook page. And thanks for your time today, guys. Good luck for the wedding. Yeah, thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, we send thanks us through some photos. Me.
Yeah, we will. Yeah. Yeah. Spread the possibility. So hashtag spread the possibility. Awesome work, guys. Thanks for your time. Jumbo, we are back in uh, this, uh, those two there. The, so, again, go to the website, possibility.com. That's a really cool idea. And, and far out, man, they're putting so much time and energy and, and just for kind of altruistic ways just to give back to the sport. So, you know, check it out. And if you're interested in it, go to the website and uh, become a member and you can do great things with these guys in their little world there, the Jumbo. Nice. Uh, we have a couple of prize winners from our trainer road competition a little while ago and Adam Philby and Derek Atkins. Oh, really? Yep. Did they, did, win the, they did win the race? They did, they did the challenge and they did the... How did the challenge work? How'd you win? Yeah, to basically complete it. Oh, really? <laughs> and uh, so it was, what was it? It was 10 rides within 14 days, okay. or 14 or 15 days. You, 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 you did it, you designed it, didn't you? I helped design some. Some of those sessions were cracking really? sessions. Like there, did you do them all? No, don't be silly. <laughs> don't be silly. <laughs> stupid. Um, I can't remember the last time I was on my bike, uh, but they both those both those guys did it, and it was yeah, it was a real challenge to to get that in. But they, one of the guys commented, you know, it was a bit more realistic to do ten rides in fourteen days as opposed to some of the other challenges where you have got to do it every single day yeah it gives um, a bit of can you work around it a little so bit they more? could still fit in a bit of running and swimming so by all means guys you can still go up there and uh, check it out you go on and join up to Trainer Road and go on to I Am Talk the, join the team and you'll be able to find the challenge under there and it'll be uh, it's a good little way I've got another guy that I coach who's actually doing it at the moment but I spread it over three weeks so he just uh, just a good game a little focus saying right you know, I've got a little target to work on for the next three weeks so check it out Okay, we'll, go, we'll leave questions and answers because I've got to leave early today, so we're just going to kind of wrap it up with now. Patrons. 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 John, we've got some new patrons. Oh, I gave Bevan the task of doing the names this week. The dog, you gave me them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did a great job. dog? Yeah, I've been doing them every other week. Yeah, but I was, I was, we always split it. Oh, rubbish. I do most of them. No, you're full of crap. I, I had a look at them. I was just drawing blanks. I had no inspiration you yesterday. You know what? It took me a minute. I was bang, 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 bang. Yeah. So, Steve Chamberlain Ward... Freaky son of a gun. He's the no. freaky son of a gun. Gosh. Steve, the freaky son of the gun, Chamberlain Ward. Lawrence Howells, the Phantom. Yeah. Ooh, boo, boo, boo. Going to the Phantom, the opera on uh, Apparently it's Saturday. Brilliant. Yeah, we can get tickets. Maybe we should even get some tickets. Um, Alan, how to say the name, John? We'll go Coopters Chan. Uh, Iron Palm. Yeah, because Chan, I have to admit, stereotypically, I thought Jack Chan. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and Bruce Lee and that kind of guy. Mm. So then I looked up, I looked up karate names and Iron Palm. You know, nice. like it's the palm. <laughs> nice. Just I like the next one. Uh, Alistair is Nocton, so KO Nocton. Yeah, yeah, KO's you out. Yeah, good. And then how to say Aaron's last name? Uh, Aaron Torilio. So the Maybe. tornado Torilio. Something, something like that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I was actually pretty happy with those considering it took me like 20 seconds. Solid. Although next week you can do them all. Okay. Yeah. Game on. <laughs> so guys, remember, um, help us out with by going to imtalk.me and we've got the patrons details up there. Everybody who joins up to the patrons gets uh, at least one ticket into our Kona draw for next year. So we'll be over there for 2016. If you come in at the $5 level, you get um, one ticket. If you come in at 10, you get two. If you come in at 20, you get, uh, I think it's three. And... That means you're going to be over there, and you could even tack on the camp if you wanted to come on the camp. Oh, mate, it'd be the best week of your life. Yeah. Best week ever. Better than your marriage, your children, your best job, your first Ironman. Better than all put together. Bevan. Um, oh, sponsors. 
Athlinks.com. Get your kids involved. Tr- Train to ride on and off. Not this week. Not this week. Not no, this week. So uh, and extreme endurance. Lactic buffer and get your immune boost. Okay, John, what's your cost? Bevan, um, a birdie me. told me that. Uh, you speak to birds? Yep. It's pretty amazing, man. I am multilingual. <laughs> well, I'm, why are you doing this show for me? You can make millions. Um, <laughs> apparently. You're a bit of a know-it-all at the pub quiz. Apparently not. <laughs> so Pe- Bevan's pub quiz team, after he ranted on our show about not being able to speak up and sort of put his case forward for answering questions. I didn't say we ran forward. I just said I'm not that sharp. No, and and so they changed the name of their team, their pub quiz team, no. to know Bevan knows best. No, but what happens? No, you're, you're telling a and story then, that's not true. And then he goes, apparently, in this quiz at last weekend, question, guys thought they had it, Bevan was adamant he knew the answer. He put his foot down and said, no, I know what's going on you're here. Telling, you're you're telling Fibs got wrong, it wrong. And you know, you know you're telling Fibs. Admittedly, I got the Beatles question wrong, okay? Yes. I admit that. But I did say, not 100% sure, but I think. And then, hey, we, the thing is when you do a pub quiz. That's not what I heard. The thing is when you do a pub <laughs> quiz, you, there's always those moments where you put, your, you put your foot down a little bit and you're wrong. And everyone has it. Mm-hmm. And Blair Norton from One Network News had one last week as well. We all have those moments. <laughs> it's just a part of the deal. I know I don't contribute much to my pub quiz team. Porno. Porno has way too much knowledge in his head. Yeah. Porno's a bloody genius. He just, question comes up, bang. And I'm like, he's just a genius. Him, yeah. and, him and Wall. Our team, really, it's him and Wall do really well. Mm. The rest of us back it up and occasionally we'll contribute a little bit. I did get the Weller. Weller mm. with the hair. Shampoo. Okay. I, was, I was pretty, we were doing really well. We were top three. And the round that screwed us was the round where it was guys and girls. So five questions were meant to help guys and five mm. questions. We got the girls ones, missed all the guys ones. <laughs> nice. so, so it screwed us. So, But there was a conspiracy, John, because there was a team there last week and mm. they were amazing. Mm. And they, like, I think they got three questions wrong all night. I think some cheating weekend down, John. Right. I'm, I'm thinking they're on drugs. Yeah. They, yeah. Like even John Thompson, one of our runners, he's in the team that always wins and another team. And they had like their best night ever. And he was like, this team's phenomenal. So mm. I'm just, uh, it's suspicions. Suspicious. What's your goss? Some goss. First running race last weekend. Apparently went Poor performance. <laughs> Poor performance. C and B. Yeah. But we've got another one coming up this weekend. It's good training doing these little races. They don't take much out of you, four or five K, but geez, they're good workouts. It's just real kind of intensity stuff, isn't mm. it? Yeah. And it's solo, this the, the relays, so it's a solo effort. So I was running second lap. So you basically, it's just a time trial. You've got a few people, I got passed by one guy, tried to hang on to him, passed a couple of guys, but it's basically you're running a time trial. It's fantastic yeah. stuff. Uh, other than that, we've got to crack on. So I don't think I've got much else going I've got one on. quick story. We were at a friend's house the other night. And uh, they've got a teenage kid, 14, good kid, mm-hmm. lovely kid actually, probably the nicest 14 year old I've ever met. Good young man and good, good and well at school, he's got his head screwed on. I offered him $100 to get a mohawk if I could shave mm-hmm. a mohawk into his head. Mm-hmm. John, look at this I photo. <laughs> Parents please. <laughs> they let me do it. Yeah. He goes to boys high, there's no way he's not getting sent home from school today. Oh, no, boys high is pretty liberal. <laughs> you reckon they'll let him do it? Yeah, well, he probably, yeah. When I was there, there was some some pretty different haircuts. So what what we're doing is I'll put that foot on the website this week. Mohawk, I gave him a hundred bucks. I go hundred bucks, mate. Mohawk, Mister mm. T Mohawk, and he goes, I'll do it. And I didn't give him a second to change his mind. The clip is around. Bloody sensational. Nice. So there you go, John. Nice for living. Nice. Okay, this is this week's show. Let's wrap it up, Jumbo. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. <laughs>